Everyone's sound is on. Everyone is uh, now we're recording. A little late today. For no particular reason. Because <laughs> we were singing. Because <laughs> yeah. we were singing to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We don't, I don't want to delay the beginning of the show because we, we had said. I agree. That we were going to get right to it because it highlights the people that support us. You know, we'd gotten carried away with this pre-show nonsense, and at one time it went like a half an hour, but no more. This episode of Hubble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Hubble and Fred Studios in Trendy, Toronto, and from our beautiful Brampton Basement Studio. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca. And by GoDaddy. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create a website, and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your small business. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. And now, here are two men who are going to warmer climbs so they can save the wear and tear on their winter tires. They're there, Michelin. We'll take care of you. It's Humble and Fred. Very clever stuff, my friend. Very clever. You're a very clever man. So I says to my wife, I says the other day, these winter boots, I'm not even going to be able to use them this year. I'm looking at the forecast. By the time I leave, there's no snow. Mm. So I have winter boots, nice boots, that I'm not even going to get to wear this year. Well... Maybe you'll go off into a pasture and take one on and take a, use them when you're going to take tear one off a sheep just to get Garrett in there. With no, your they're winter. not that type of boot. They're not rubber boots. Out. <laughs> they're stylish. You oh, know, are they? Up the side boots. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I forget what you call them. The kids. Are they have go, they go on for walks. Boots like you know in, into the forest. Yeah, or they're the slip-on brown boots with the zipper up the side, and you know you usually wear them in the winter when there's a little bit of snow and. Yeah, and uh, it's like they're in the closet. They're not coming out. I remember my dad. I'm not sure if your father's had those, like, rubber things. We talked about this recently. I can't remember what it, why it came up. Yeah. Those rubber boots, they would, you'd wear shoes, and then you'd put them in the rubber boots and zip them up. They were just a rubber shell. Yeah. I uh, even knew as a kid that my life wasn't going to take me in a dir- in a direction <laughs> where <laughs> I would ever be wearing those. Um, I didn't know what yeah. I was going to do, but I knew my future wouldn't include those boots. My dad, though, I'm sorry. Go I'm just going to no. say, at, at one point, at one point, those those boots were cool. Somewhere along the line, they were cool, not just practical. No, you're probably think, right. Yeah, that. Uh, I think it was uh, not so much a status thing, but, you know, a man who wore those was a gentleman. He was a man that, uh, you know, sort of um, was on top of his attire. Like, my dad never wore that stuff. My dad was a lot like Phil. Never wore gloves. Always had a jacket that was probably too thin or light for the for the winter. Never a hat. Never a scarf. <laughs> Do you ever see those uh, shows from, like, the 20s and 30s where men... <clears throat> wore like a hat all the time like a Mm -hmm. fedora hat yeah and then they would wear the sort of heavier one in the fall winter season Uh, you know not just gentlemen but men Mm -hmm. and then when they came (laughs) came to be spring they would change to their straw hats like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just think can you imagine the three of us as fucking straw hat dandies Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You and I are so immature. We would just be whipping at each other 
like frisbees. Mm-hmm. Hey, and here not comes the straw and hat not dandies. To, and I'm not. Uh, yeah. What did you just say there? I said, here comes the straw hat dandies. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say, and it's true. Back in that day, straw hats and old dirty hankies. Oh, yeah. Because those guys always had, a lot of them had hankies in their pockets. Pull it out, they'd like fucking hack into them and put them back in their pocket. What was that all about? No, I know. Like, guys would like cough and sneeze. Like, I had a grandfather and then just sort of put it in back in his pocket. And it's like the fucking next time you're putting your face into your previous whatever that is. Spit them. Spud him. Spit him. Phlegm. What about when a gentleman in a movie, you would see a, a gentleman offer his kerchief to a mm. woman. Mm. Just And think about that. It's already he's got his own boogers and <laughs> face. <laughs> She's like, do you, and he's like, madam, do you need a hanky? And she, of course, always takes it and goes, Achoo! and then, of, you know, inside is like <laughs> snot, <laughs> old man goo. Uh-huh. <laughs> the way you started that, I must stop down for this now. He offered his honor. She honored his offer, and all through the night, it was honor and offer. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't resist. You couldn't resist. Do you know I, that? I'm embarrassed to say the first I'm embarrassed honor for you. was my mother. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm embarrassed. Can you imagine for you. that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm. well, you know, listen, uh, and, and this is was not planned, Dan, but no. it very often happens. Something will happen on the show. I will have something ready, knowing that at any given time, that gentleman that I work with, that one of the uh, straw hat dandies, which would, by the way, be our acapella name. <laughs> Dan, Dan, teach us how to do acapella so that we can perform as the straw hat dandies. Oh, you beautiful gal. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I think we need one more. We need another. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, without any planning, I just knew that at any point in this show, my boy Patterson can come up with one of those. And I thought, when he does, I'll have something ready that I know he and others will enjoy. I've got a grandson. He's four years old. He can't say please in Spanish. That's poor for four, isn't it? <laughs> we, um... <laughs> Let's see what... <laughs> I've got a grandson, he's four years old, he can't say please in Spanish. That's poor for four, isn't it? <laughs> we, um... <laughs> I did all that. <laughs> I knew I saw that last night. I said, that fucking Fred will lose his shit. I've got a grandson, he's four years old, he can't say please in Spanish. That's poor for four, isn't it? Now, Dan, do you need me to break that down? And why is funny? Because I know you Germans don't have the best sense of humor. Um, you see, poor favor, that's poor yeah. for four. Right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, now, you see, why would Got I have him, that yeah. ready, Dan? Because you're aware. I'm aware. I'm prepared. No, Got as soon him. as whenever I see those things, I always put them aside in a little place where I know I can grab them quickly. Should the need yes. arise. Yeah. Who was that? Was that that Craig guy uh, used to have the late night talk show? Uh, no. Oh, okay. This is some older <clears throat> comedian from the UK, obviously. Mm -hmm. he's, and he's an old guy. He's like our age or older. 
I've got a grandson, he's four years old, he can't say please in Spanish. That's poor for four, isn't it? <laughs> Come on. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that uh, people will... Uh, and, and it's funny, later, in the, as the, the laughs die down, as uh, often happens with comedians, he said, oh, that'll be the one that you'll be talking about. And it's true, because yeah. it's yeah. easy to remember. It's like, I saw a comic... Yeah, what's that? So simple. Yeah, so simple. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. How many times have you told the honor and offer thing? Oh, fuck, Dan. You know me. Yeah, yes. I know. It's thousand? <laughs> thousand, yeah. You yeah. Get, do you get the same joy every single time you say it? Because you do get joy. Yeah, only because it, again, a lot of that stuff I got from my mother. And when I say it, I just, it puts me in a, a place when she'd say something like that and we'd laugh. And yeah. I'd go, Mom, and then repeat it. Mm. That's all. Yeah, it's funny. I can't really think of anything like my my dad wasn't much of a jokester, which is you know one of the reasons I became a comedian, you right? Because uh, there was a little, my, my our, our home was uh, was famous for a lot of little a lot of tension and uh, you know. <laughs> Pressure creates diamonds, Dan, as you know. Um, let, let me quickly just give you this one. I thought of this the other day, and my mom sang this to me, almost like at bedtime sometimes or whatever, and it went something like this. If I had the wings of an angel and the big black arse of a crow, I'd fly over the city of Toronto and I'd shit on the people below. <laughs> That's what she. <laughs> she was. Yeah, and that's why you became you. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Junie mm. Patterson. Junie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a. She had a ton of them. Mm. This is. Uh, yeah. This was how. Uh, this was how. Uh, night. Night time was at the Glassman family. Do you want to read? Believe what you want to believe, but go to bed. <laughs> that was that old commercial? The, the drunk guy and the kid handed him the toy and he tried to fix it for the kid. He goes, go to bed. Hands yeah. it, shoves it at the kid. Go to bed. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we talk a lot about aging. Uh, aging with energy, the old guys travel show. Just a quick plug there for our uh, podcast, our other podcast. And um, I won't say the names because I don't think it's fair. Although I don't think he'd mind. Uh, what happened was we had a, a cancellation. We've got some guest Freds next week. It's going to be great. So one of the guest Freds had to bail because of a family thing. And we've slid in uh, Paul Romanuk, who was going to be a guest next uh, week, as guest fretting with me for a couple days. Because I like Paul, broadcaster, great play-by-play guy, lots to talk about with him, lived in England, great, you know, a lot of perspective, great guy. Yep. And um, then I reached out to a couple of, you know, rock stars that I know. Rocks, you know, and, and you know, pretty... We both know them, but I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of golf buddies with a couple of them and uh, reached out to one and he can't make it um, because he's working and he Who's would that? be the, I can't, I'm gonna, all right, well, okay, I'll tell you, that's Jeremy Taggart. Okay. So yes. Taggart couldn't make it. He would have done it. 
Um, I know here's the point. So Maureen Holloway is our guest Fred a week from Thursday. It's going to be great. Talk a lot about obviously the uh, disgraced broadcaster John Derringer, Maureen's new uh, podcast, Women of Ill Repute. Yes, excellent. And then I said to Boone, I said, we should get a guest on that day. And I looked, I sort of, let me reach out to a couple guys. <laughs> and uh, So one of them was Taggart. He couldn't do it. And the other one was a guy, an older rock star that I know, that we both know. And um, I said, hey, are you available on Thursday, January 19th? We sort of went back and forth. Happy New Year, all that pleasantries. And he said, hey, Howard, I can't make it. Thanks for the invite. I'm having a, uh, <laughs> he said, I'm having an endoscopy that day and a colonoscopy. Man, I hope they use different scopes for each. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought, isn't that a sign of the times that, uh, you know, he's, the, the endoscopy is, is for your, it goes down your stomach and, and they look around your stomach. And of course, the colonoscopy, Dan, if you ever got one, goes inside your bum hole. Yeah. And you can't give us his name because of the medical. I understand. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I mean, I could, but it's like, that's the, the point I'm trying to make is the age that we're all at. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. Uh, that he couldn't do the show because he's having some procedures. <clears throat> have you had both those procedures? I have had them, yes. Yeah. What, a colonoscopy? Your, yeah, I know that one you've had, but what about the one down your throat? Mm-hmm. You had that? Yeah. I had, yes. A couple what years they ago. find? Uh, they found that I have uh, a problem with my stomach lining. Oh. I have, uh, I can't remember the actual medical name because, you know, I, I know so many. <laughs> but uh, but it right. means uh, it's gastric uh, erosion is what it is. Oh. And Howard, I know it's coming for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're going to... Uh, you know, sooner than later, stick something down your pee hole, too. But just so you know, so that'll be your bum hole, your pee hole, and your throat. I haven't had the throat. I've had the bum hole and the pee hole. Um, it's not as bad as you think. You know, guys, when you tell them, they oh, they take this thing and they put it down your your your, your dick. Yeah, it and it's like everybody bad. just yeah. squeezes their legs. Like, oh, it's not. It's not. Well, you know, listen, they have I, ways nowadays. Sure. Right? I, I mean, I've tried it with a chopstick, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Dan, you make this face whenever we talk about these yeah. things. The face you make yeah. is like you think I, I think you think these things are unnecessary. No, I'm sure there's if there's a medical reason to do it, you, you must get it done. I'm it's not, not like you go that. to a drive through. You know, it's not like I'm just rocking up to some like facility that just offers it randomly. No, but you're fascinated by this kind of thing, which is why I was wondering. And, and you know, of course, you've had it. And, uh, and well, you've had it, of course. No, of course listen, had it. what haven't you had? Mm-hmm. Um, well, listen, dude, in terms of procedures, you're way up there yourself, my friend. Who well, I've had a few. No, no, I'm talking about Freddie P. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say I'm Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I, uh, yeah, I have a catalog, no doubt. About absolutely, it. you do. You've got mm-hmm. the, you've got quite a nice brochure you've built up. <laughs> you have, uh, you've definitely built up some, uh, and Dan, I mean, I don't know what procedure you had, a um, you had your face cut off. So that was right. a procedure. And as far as being fascinated by stuff, listen, I didn't ask to go to the hospital. It wasn't like, oh, I should just go, you know, like, and, and, and why I had to have this gastric, uh, you know, uh, 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 procedure was because 
I'm having them was having the same issues I'm having right now, which is something's not a, something is amiss down there. Right. You know, well, although Dan, remember, Dan had a procedure that made me sort of cringe was the uh, varicose veins. That wasn't easy, was it, Dan? Uh, well, you know, it, it was a whole lot. I mean, the, the idea of it is gross, but the actual, I didn't feel that much pain because I was out for the procedure. Right? Oh, right. Because didn't they do little nips at the top of your leg and like pull them up and out or something? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I, I, I was there. I was there when the, I didn't get to go into the operating room, but I was uh, I was there during that procedure. I picked you up. Yeah. The recovery. Yeah. Um, oh, but, but see, there was see, that's the thing is like you really didn't need to have that done. Did you? That wasn't that was more cosmetic than it was like it wasn't hurting you. No, it wasn't hurting yet. They, they, the doctor implied that over time that if I didn't get it done, it would probably be oh, okay. in the future. So. All right. And it looked, you know what? It looked horrible when he was wearing pantyhose. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, we know, you know, with his, uh, <laughs> he's, of course, he's veiny. We all know that. Because <laughs> <laughs> they really stuck out his varicose veins. Oh, no, I, I remember, remember them. them. Holy yeah. cow. I remember when the kids were little, he used to go down them like a water slide. <laughs> um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we do this? Listen, we've had enough fooling around. And, of course, there's always that point where Dan's uncomfortable with the subject matter. Um, and uh, let's... Uh, and we've reached that point. We've reached so. that point. But Dan's going to stick around the kitchen today and prepare some news, which is great. Make some up. Always look forward to Dan's return. I didn't really know what I wanted. Uh, we do have a guest coming up that's going to be interesting. Speaking of all things medical, it's a fascinating story. And the story, as I mentioned yesterday, came through one of my uh, buddies, Fraser Plant, said, oh, this woman that he knew. I don't even remember what he said is how they know each other, but her husband had uh, very late stage cancer. And through her intervention as a nutritional expert, she was able to uh, intervene and they had a great outcome. That story is coming up. First, this story from Fred. Uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one uh, group benefits plan for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great option for small business. It just is. Uh, you sit there, you think, I can't afford something like this for my people. Well, you know what? Look into it. You go to chamberplan.ca. There's a badge there. Click on get a free quote. You'll find out that it is doable. And the main part of this is over the years, they will enlighten you. They've done a great job of keeping premiums down. So if you're worried about, yeah, I'll jump into this thing, give it to my people, and then all of a sudden the premiums will skyrocket, and I won't be able to afford it, I might have to withdraw it. All those things that go through your mind as a small business owner, rest assured, that's off the table because they've done a great job of keeping premiums under control they just have uh take the time today give it a look chamberplan.ca ev uh, net presents the electric experience let me tell you what this is they're trying to help people through the process of learning about evs experiencing them by taking them home electric vehicles that is and uh, be ready to uh, answer questions. This experience is designed to provide you with an affordable way to get into an electric car without having to have a, you know to purchase it. So here's their, what they're offering. Every experience includes intro consultation, 
the EV rental, the follow-up consult, and the option to phone any of the staff during your rental experience to figure things out. And here's how it works. Call 1-800-387-9391, and the first 10 people to contact them get $20 off this experience. And, And you know what? The experience is very economical. You can choose the Eco Box, which is a Nissan Leaf, starts at 100 bucks. The uh, Pack Rat, starting at 140, that's a Tesla Model Y, and so on and so forth. Give them a call, 1 800 387 9391, and get $20 off those prices. And tell them the Humble and Fred sent you. You can use the voucher HF20 for $20 off the electric experience. Go check it out at. Uh, oh, I see they've gotten a. Uh, let me see if that's a new uh, URL. It's just evnet.ca. Evnet. Oh, I see. evnet.ca slash experience. Anyway, go give it a shot. I thought this is really an interesting idea to give you an opportunity to get into one of these vehicles for uh, three days, for 24 hours, for seven days. Anyway, give it a shot. So I'm playing a little uh, CFNY um, music for you. We played this recently. By way of saying today you and I are going to be interviewed for part of a documentary whose uh, origin it goes back a long time. They've been talking about this for years, and it's uh, being uh, produced, uh, I think, well, I'm, I don't know if that's the right term, but uh, some of the people in the uh, production are your good friend Ivor, yes. our friend Ivor, Alan Cross will be, and I, I saw the call sheet, looks like we're going to be interviewed by Alan Cross. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. That's, I well, thought so. That's good because, you know, if you're interviewed by somebody who wasn't part of the environment, um, you know, it's just not as genuine as somebody that was part of the environment, mm-hmm. of which he was. So, uh, yeah, it's a CFNY documentary. I don't know when it will be released. Uh, the whole spin is this unique little radio station. Started in Brampton and, uh, you know, had this unique format and uh, grew from there. An impact. Yes. Way beyond, like, you know that phrase, uh, punching way above your weight. That's the definition of that radio station. Yeah. Uh, In a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, I've said this to you off the show several times, which is, you know, not that I didn't want to do it because I, you know, I, I enjoy these kind of experiences, but I didn't know what, like, what could I really offer. I wasn't really there for the bulk of the, you know, the, the, the creation of it. Like you were there almost from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I could contribute. But then you said, you know, I was there for, you know, the tail end of it. And then for, for sure, the creation of The Edge, I was part of that legacy. Well, I think that's what it's all about. I mean, you came in the late 80s when it was still CFNY. So you qualify, so to speak. Plus, you were already there as well uh, during the the transition from, you know, CFNY, the spirit of of radio to... And then there was CFNY... It was the leading, yeah. No, but in between there was um, CFNY modern music 
was a moniker. No, I think modern. I, well, I didn't. But here's what I recall. I recall modern right. rock. And then yeah. somewhere in there was the leading, the leading edge. Yes. And then they paired that. Down. And then they paired that down. But at one point it was it was modern music because I don't think Marsden wanted rock because it was more than rock. Mm. I just wonder, you know, if we're going to be like, obviously, you know, I'll, I'll just sit back and, you know, listen to you talk about being there at the beginning and part of the Pete and Geats world. And, you know, you were a huge part of the uh, of the appeal and, and the culture of the place. But, you know, when I came in. And I'm just going to have to be honest. When I came in, it was chaos. And it was a lot of two camps fighting with each other. And, you know, I was sort of brought in by the people that the original, the OG CFNY spirit people, they fucking hated them. So somehow I and I was painted with that kind. I was in that camp and I was sort of, you know, a little bit. It was weird for me because I loved working with you immediately you know, really made me laugh a lot. We laughed so much mm-hmm. in that first couple of months. I remember laughing to tears because I was nervous and you were funny and we were joking around each other. But at the same time, we would leave the studio and there was sort of this weird vibe about me less for you because you had, you know, you'd been there, but the show had a weird vibe to it because those guys like Earl Jive and Alan, and Neil Mann, those people really didn't like us very much. Me especially. You know, they had affection for you because you were part of the original. But they didn't have much affection for the show. Oh, no. No. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just so multi-layered, the whole thing. Because I was sort of caught in the middle. But I always had the attitude that I have a mortgage. I have two kids. Uh, and I don't own the fucking radio station. So the, if the owners want to do this with the radio station, you know, it's their choice. It's their decision. They're the ones that have to deal with the bottom line. That was my attitude. Yeah, I loved working here all these years. But is, is the station going to evolve? Is it going to, you know, keep up with the times? And, you know, it was taken over by a legitimate radio company. Of course they want to turn some revenue. That was always my attitude. Um and again, I didn't own it. <laughs> it's like, you know, we used to say, yeah, somebody, ah, you know, I want to get an announcer's job, but, uh, you know, at a school or something. But I don't want to work at a country station. Well, oh, okay, but you're missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go learn to be an announcer. And if you do it within a format maybe you don't like, you'll become a better announcer. And that was the attitude there. It was like we were supposed to stick to this format that just didn't turn enough revenue well i'm not surprised mm-hmm. by what you said i mean i've mm-hmm. partly because i've heard you say it before but it, it does go to your character you know i say this about you and my ex-wife you're the two of my closest two the two people i'm mm-hmm. close to in my life or have been close to are are the two most pragmatic people i know like your what you just said is what a pragmatic person not driven by the emotion of the spirit, man. Yeah, the spirit mm-hmm. was great, but, you know, they're bringing in this new morning show and, you know, we got a new management and they want to make money. You're on the CN Tower now. You know, when the thing began, it was, yes. you know, a 10 watts or whatever it was. They, they pumped up the power and, and they wanted to make money. So I kind of br- I got brought in at that point. And the people that brought me in 
were part of the new wave of management. Anyway, all by way of saying about, right. about today that now that I'm actually part of it, I'm going to be I'm going to say what I've just said. I'm going to be honest no, and say it was absolutely. it was it what it drove me out of there. I remember no, saying I to you, when, when I left there, I said to you, I said, listen, man, mm-hmm. I love working with you, but I can't work at this college station anymore. It's not good for my career. I came to Toronto to be the number mm-hmm. one morning guy in Toronto, not some fucking second rate station in Brampton. Well, because it what, was. Yes. And this is what drove me crazy at the time. You know, radio is a game. And at the time, and it was super. You know, uh, they had the thing at CFNY. They didn't play a song more than once a day. In the <laughs> yeah. early part, yeah, but... It was great, I know. No, I'm just that, No, that, yeah. that was okay because the regulations were a lot different. And what's lost in this shuffle through the evolution of the radio station, regulations changed. Mm-hmm. There was things that CFNY did that were perceived as great and groovy and cool, but they had to do it because of regulations. Those regulations started to ease, which meant the people that had to look after the bottom line now had some options to make some money. And they exercised those options. How do you argue with that? You don't own the radio station. Sure. And I used to say to some of these guys, you think I'm going to go home tonight and worry about the format of this radio station, become obsessed with it? It's so beyond my control. Like, why worry about it? Go, you know, hop on for the ride. Let's see where it takes us. But no. You know, I came there in 1988, and I was seen as being from the corporate world or the, you know, like a a regular disc jockey. But in 1981, I got the morning show at Fox in uh, Vancouver. Another pretty, you know, high-profile FM rock station where we had to, you know, I think we've talked about this with somebody recently. We had to do... FM regulations required us to do six minutes of foreground programming at the top of every hour. They, we, you couldn't play songs more than a couple of times. Yes, CFNY's format was a groovy thing, but it was also part of what FM had to do because AM didn't want mm-hmm. to be competed with. But you, even more so for CFNY. No, no I know. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't like they pulled it out of their ass. I'm saying a lot no. of that stuff was... Based on the formatics of FM radio in Canada yes. in the early 80s, you know, yes. because I worked at a radio station that you couldn't play. The reason they did those things is because AM had high rotation of the hits and they didn't want FM to compete with that. Lots. There was a lot more talk on FM. And when those regulations eased, that's when that station, it sort of coincided with that station being taken over. Well, this is it. And that was the frustrating part for me, because back in the early 80s, when we played a song just once a day and then made the move to get on the CN Tower, when you're actually licensed as a Brampton station, you know, the powers that be, including David Marsden, had to go to the uh, CRTC and said, here's why we deserve to go on the CN Tower, because we're different. Look at this. We Listen, other places play a song 10, 12 times a day or whatever it is. We'll play it once. Well, CRTC, the ears perk up, right? What are these guys going to do that's different that a Brampton station can now uh, be licensed to broadcast from the CN Tower? So that's all the stuff that, again, took place in the early days. And in retrospect, you look back and it's like, 
the frustration that I felt that these guys that work there not realize all this stuff. Well, they were like, also pretty young at the time. Well, no, I, I understand know. that. And then at the same time, bitch and complain about the money they were making. No, exactly. And and, and mm. let, me, let me just finish and soften it by saying, and this is, and this is another point I will make if I get to make any points uh, during this interview today is mm. I did not appreciate I've said it on the podcast. I had no appreciation when I came to town of what that radio station meant to the people working there and the people listening to it and the culture it had created. I had no idea of it because I was just a guy that went from city to city learning his trade. I got, you know, I was like a, I wanted to be the morning guy in Toronto because I felt like I was ready to be that guy. And I had this opportunity to go to the station in Brampton. And when I couldn't get that opportunity from the place, I left. Now, when I came back, it was because that opportunity was now presented to me. All by way of saying, though, that in the 33 years that I've lived here now and having met those people and becoming, have an appreciation for Alan and Ivor Hamilton and, and Earl Jive and all those people, I really get it now in a way that I never got it as a 28-year-old or 29-year-old coming to Toronto. I had no idea. And I couldn't have known. I'll say this, too. When, when it comes to integrity and... Yeah, integrity. David Marston did a great job of maneuvering that radio station through the 80s. He did. For what was on the table and what they had to do to get to where they wanted to be, he did a great job. And then around, I think, 1987, it was presented to him... You know, regulations have eased. We can do this now. Here's what we're going to do. What did David Marsden do? He said, thank you, but no thank you. And he left. Meaning, you know, he he just faced the reality of the situation, and he decided he didn't want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Great. Super. And then others stayed there and then fought this war from the trenches (laughs) that was unwinnable. Yeah. Um, However, having said that, there was that little period where they came back in and <laughs> there was some chaos. And Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, I don't, we, we, let's, we, let's move on because we got to get some stuff done before the uh, next guest. But I, I do recall that with some, you know, again, I have affection for it now in a way maybe I didn't at 29. But remember, it was almost like these two camps under siege, the famous chicken meeting, you know, and where they where they were where we they were we were told we were going back. And then that you know, famously Neil Mann coming up to my face and saying, where's your fucking modern or you can stick your fucking Madonna up your ass. I'm like, dude, I'm just a guy that wanted to do mornings in Toronto. No, I know. I remember going back to tell my uh, wife, soon my new bride every night or every day going, I don't think I can work here. Mm-hmm. We, we've moved here from Montreal. I think we've made a mistake. <laughs> Fuck. No, and I completely understand it from your perspective because you worked under a whole different structure. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing, here's the thing, too. You know, see even why they had a sportscaster, believe it or not. But again, part of that was the regs. I know that. Oh, yeah. The spoken spoken word. word stuff. Yep. Um, 
You know, I was a sportscaster. I used to hobnob with all the guys, Gallagher, and all the guys at all the other radio stations. And listen, along the way, it's like, yeah, these other radio stations operate a bit differently than ours does. And I know that, which helped me with the evolution of the station. But it, it was funny. It, you know, you've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. It was at St. Hubert. They called us over there and then told us the station was going to maybe shift back towards the old CFNY and the Neil man running up and... What was the word he used? You can take your... Take your Madonna or take your... Shove it up your ass. Shove it up your ass. <laughs> I was like, great. And yeah. uh, an, an interesting point here, Neil Mann has refused to be part of this. Yeah. Uh, well, good for him. For whatever reason. But. You know, and... You know, what is that? Not that I, 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 I... This isn't revenge, so it's not completely apropos. But you know that, that saying, revenge is a dish best served cold. All I can say is, you know, it's 2023 and nobody is still doing a show except for Humble and Fred. I mean, that is the irony of the legacy of CFNY, the spirit of radio, that the show that those guys didn't like Mm -hmm. is still uh, doing something. I mean, we've evolved to a point and, uh, you know, I'm also going to make that point. You know, I'm proud of the fact that whatever started that in that building in Brampton that was not well received by the people in the building in Brampton now, mm-hmm. much like my attitude about the place, those people have, for the most part, you know, those are people that do have affection for us now. Yeah. And also, CFNY was pulled into the 90s, 2000s. It became a strong, viable... Yes, alternative new rock radio station. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. That had to play the radio game to some extent and became a huge moneymaker. And that and that was the that that was part of the evolution and that was part of the the plan. Let's make some money with this thing. That is a great point. And as you know, as much of the the culture of that station was driven by the morning show of Pete and Geats, and they were great, taking nothing away from them. And forget what came after us. You know, there's an argument to be made that, you know, we were far, far more successful than anything that station had had before us. Ratings-wise, popularity-wise, profile-wise. Yeah, and part of the reason is that we were lucky, other than a couple of years, um, we were in the right hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. People um, who knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and we didn't suck. Uh, let's uh, let's do a little quick bit of business here before we uh, get Janet Osborne, who is our guest here, uh, standing by to talk about an amazing story of nutritional intervention. Yeah, let me tell you about. Um, well, let's. Uh, I, I told you yesterday we would review some of the uh, uh, odds for this weekend's football game and uh, uh, football games. Uh, let's look at this, and I'm surprised. This is a Monday night game. I, I the Wild Card Weekend as a Monday night game. How is that fair to uh, Tampa and Dallas when they get one less day of rest? Anyway, it's beyond my control. Mm, okay. But anyway, mm, right. the Dallas uh, the Dallas Cowboys minus one fifty. Okay, over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this is Tom Brady. You know, will he rise up and do it again? Uh, the uh, Cowboys a three point pick. Uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry leading odds, world class sports book, and feature rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That is Bodog. Mm-hmm. 
I've been friends with uh, my buddy Fraser. Uh, his wife and my ex-wife were um, pregnant with our, well, my second kid, their third kid. That's how long I've known her. 25 years. And in the 25 years I've known Fraser, he's never once done this. He's never said to me, hey, I've got a guest suggestion for you. And I said, well, sure, pal. And then he tells me this story of Janet Osborne, who is with us this morning. And it's incredible. Janet is a registered holistic nutritionist with a quarter century of experience, also a certified personal trainer. Most of her career has been focused on consulting people on sports nutrition and weight loss. And she's been teaching nutrition at Seneca for the past nine years. And Janet is with us on uh, my buddy Fraser's recommendation. And to uh, she'll tell us the story. But first, hi, Janet. Hi. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. How are you and how do you guys know Fraser? Um, we worked with Fraser, both of us, um, let's see, about well, more than 30 years ago. We were actually all stockbrokers at the ah. time. Yeah. Really? And, uh, my husband, Greg, and Fraser became really good friends. And uh, and. Actually, my husband introduced Fraser and Angela. Introduced, wow. Uh, yeah, and they met at our wedding. They met it because Angela came as a friend of Greg's and, and Fraser was there as a friend of ours. And they met at our wedding. And yeah, so we've been friends for a lot of years. Well, like I said to you, uh, you heard in the introduction, I've known Fraser since uh, our kids were in vitro. And uh, I was actually set up. My ex-wife said, oh, there's somebody I think you should meet. Like, I'm like, I don't want to, I'm, you, know, you know, I don't want to meet somebody, somebody's husband. That usually turns out horribly and all the time, but it turned out great. I love Fraser. And all the time I've known him, though, this is the first time he's ever said, you got to talk to this person. So, no, Janet, it's, it's quite a story. And I want to let you tell it uh, if you can and, you know, sort of bring it down to a, a bite size. And then I, I want to talk about some some things our listeners can learn. And then. I want to see if you're available for, for me later this morning because I've had some trouble with my stomach and I thought, well, oh, maybe I can ask Janet if she has any ideas. Would that be okay? Janet, do you have four hours? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Absolutely. So yes to all of that. <laughs> okay, so let's just talk at the beginning. You were all, all by way of saying your, your, your whole world was nutrition and, and being fit. And one morning in April of 2021, you dropped your husband off at emergency. Correct. Yes. He was experiencing a lot of pain, mostly in his lower back. Um, and it seemed to also move around. He would uh, have pain in his hip and maybe in his chest area. And this had been going on for over a month. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was telling him, you really should go uh, make an appointment with the doctor. And it was during the COVID lockdown. And he said, oh, there's no point. You can't go see a doctor. You know, you can't get an appointment right now. And um, and then he started saying, oh, I, maybe I have COVID. Maybe it's symptoms from COVID. And um, finally, I said, you know what? You can get um, a virtual appointment with the doctor. You really need to contact your doctor. So he did. And, of course, the doctor had said, uh, well, let's do a COVID test and rule that out first. And at that time, uh, April 2021, it took a while to get First, you had to get an appointment for that, and there wasn't uh, rapid testing. So you had to get an appointment, and it took a few days for that to come back. And I think there was a weekend uh, during this time, so it took a little more time. In the meantime, his pain was getting worse. He was 
you know, not sleeping at night. And I said, you need to just go to Emerge. Forget about this COVID test. It's not COVID. And um, he just wanted to wait. And he had the appointment then with the doctor on the Tuesday. And I said, I want you to tell the doctor you're going to emergency, whether, regardless of whether you have COVID or not. And uh, he got on the phone and, and he didn't have COVID. And he said to the doctor that his GP that, uh, you know, I think I'm just going to go into eMERGE. And uh, the doctor actually agreed. He said, you know what? I think that's probably a good idea. And uh, so he went in and it was uh, at 11.30 in the morning. I dropped him off and it, he was in all day. You know, they did x-rays and then they did um ultrasound and then they finally did a cat scan and by nine o'clock at night you know he was put in a room and he kind of knew things weren't weren't going to be good and they came and told him that he had cancer and he phoned me and had to tell me this over the phone and uh they thought it was some kind of lymphoma they didn't know you know exactly what but um, they kept him in the hospital because his kidneys weren't functioning properly at that time the tumor was so large it was pushing on the kidney And that was what was causing most of the pain. Mm. And um, so he stayed in the hospital and several days of a lot of testing uh, that they narrowed it down to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which is worse than Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then there's several kinds within that category of non-Hodgkin's. And it actually, he was even out of the hospital. He was in the hospital for 11 days. The main thing was trying to get his kidneys function again. And, um, And it was a long time after he came out of the hospital, like, well, maybe a week, but it seemed like a long time before they actually narrowed down the diagnosis to the type of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, um, I'll tell you what it was. It's it's the kind of cancer you really don't want to Google and find out the prognosis because it's not good. And um, very, very aggressive. He was late stage with it at that point. He had several tumors in his abdominal cavity and his chest cavity and um, yeah, things were not were not looking up. But in the meantime, don't we to continue? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not. I'm just looking at the story on paper, and you're sort of you know you're you're making your way through it. You keep going because there's there's uh, obviously there's a happy ending to this. But at this point, you had a as I mentioned, your backgrounds in nutrition, and mm-hmm. while your husband was still in the hospital, um, you start looking at cancer from a nutritional standpoint. Correct. So I'll just backpedal a little bit and say that 10 years prior to this uh, cancer diagnosis, he had a throat cancer. And uh, when he had throat cancer, we like he never smoked. We exercise. We've always eaten healthy. As you know, I've been in nutrition and fitness. And so I fed everyone in my house very healthy. We ate mostly organic. We juiced and you know, all of that good stuff. And when he was diagnosed with the throat cancer, and this is something I'm aware of, is that a lot of people came at us with, oh, you know, um, try a juice fast or, um, you know, this, uh, listen to this podcast or listen to that, like uh, read this book. Like people had a lot of suggestions. And at that time I thought we eat healthy. So I don't think there's anything food wise we're going to do to help this cancer. You know, or, you know, we, um, you know, we exercise, we are out in nature all the time. So I really thought it was just bad luck and genetics that he got this cancer and we'll just, you know, follow protocol. And he had chemotherapy and radiation and he got through that cancer. It also was that wasn't really a serious that had a much better prognosis. So it wasn't really super scary for us. 
And we got through that. And then 10 years later, he gets diagnosed with this cancer. And the first thing I said is that you're going to have to go on the ketogenic diet because uh, cancer feeds off sugar. And everybody has heard that. And um, and that was before I knew how serious his was, though. It was just at this point, lymphoma. We didn't even know if it was Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's, but I knew it's the second time he's getting cancer for people who live a healthy lifestyle. So I thought, okay, we need to just pull the plug on the sugar for you. And uh, no, just hang started, on a sec. Hang on a second, Janet. Yeah. Freddie wanted to ask a question. I think. Sure. Oh no, 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 no. I'm fine. I, I just when I was reading too, like through this, he he had chemotherapy with the second cancer as well, right? Exactly. Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. this was in conjunction with with the diet changes. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which I'm going to get into more detail, but which is you know what I really really loved about the research that I started doing about the ketogenic diet. I mean, at first I just went back to my books in nutrition because I, I even in my Seneca class, I would teach a segment on diet trends. So I would teach about the ketogenic diet. Um, and a lot of people are using that diet for weight loss. I would have a lot of clients mm-hmm. and students that would ask me about the ketogenic diet. And honestly, I would dissuade people from it. I would say, you know, this is a very scientific diet and you, you know, really need to count those macros and for it to work, you know, you're creating a certain uh, energy metabolism. And so it's not something you can cheat on or be flexible with. So, you know, I really didn't, uh, never recommended it to people. And and done wrong, it can actually hurt you, right? Be dangerous. Can it not? Um, Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, really, the only thing done wrong is it could backfire because if you're eating all of this high fat food and you're doing the ketogenic diet, say, to lose weight and you're eating all this high fat food. And if you cheat and add carbs, well, the combination of carbs and fat is going to make you gain weight faster than anything. Uh, unless there's pot. I mean, most, I mean, I think most people listening have heard about people on keto. And yeah, you go to the yeah. grocery store now. There's a hole in the organic section, keto food. But yes. be, but the idea of being in ketosis is the idea of restricting carbohydrates so that your body f- burns fat. And that's why you eat a lot of fat, meat. You know, less carbohydrates gives your body the opportunity to burn off that sugar. Is that sort of basically it? In a nutshell? Yes. Yes, it is sort of basically it. The okay. One thing I think a lot of people don't understand about the ketogenic diet is people think that it's a high-protein diet. So a lot of people say, well, what about all that meat you're eating? That's not not healthy. And it's actually not. It's a very moderate. In fact, most people, you know, when I put them on the ketogenic diet, I have to dial back the protein and the meat because excess protein does convert to glucose. And uh, so you want to make sure you're not eating excess protein. So it's, it's very low carb, it's moderate protein and high fat. And the fat is a lever. You actually don't even have to eat all of that fat, but you're, you're going to be low carb, obviously, because you're not going to be um, eating glucose or eating carbohydrates that can be converted to glucose. So you're changing your energy metabolism. Did you have a question? No, no, no. I'm saying so. <laughs> so your your husband's undergoing chemotherapy, and you're and in, you're introducing this diet. And where did it go from there? Yes. Yeah, so I started researching it just in general, the ketogenic mm-hmm. diet for him, and um, and then we got narrowed down to the actual diagnosis. So that was a little bit of a blow. Is finding out that you know we're not in a good place. We're at a late stage, and it's an extremely rare, extremely aggressive cancer. And there's tumor, tumors throughout his body, and um, 
But I continued to study. I, I, then I started to look more at keto for cancer rather than just looking at the ketogenic diet. I, I really want to know, is this safe for us? Is this going to be something that's safe for us to do? Is it going to interfere with treatment? Is, you know, what's, what's it going to do? So I started reading a lot of books, a lot of books. I had uh, Audible. I had Scribed. I had Amazon. I had like books and writing, digital books, audio, just as much as I could. I think I read probably 20 books in a week, specifically on keto for cancer. And um, and then what I found out is I was just blown away. I had renewed hope once I started reading it specifically. Well, for what, cancer. what gave you what what again, not getting into the, so much detail, but what gave you hope? What one thing kind of a light bulb moment, maybe, Janet, where you went, oh, I see if we do this, it will help fight that because there was a, some pretty remarkable outcomes. Yes. Uh, the light bulb, mom- bulb moment was that really just so, again, everybody says, everybody, if you say uh, that cancer feeds off sugar, everyone will say yes, like everyone's kind of heard that. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, I had two, but I didn't know that that is really one of the key hallmarks of cancer is that it not only feeds off sugar, it feeds off a lot of sugar. It uses, I think, 200 times the amount of glucose that a normal cell would use. It changes the way that your mitochondria, your cell metabolizes glucose. It ferments it. And I read about Otto Warburg, who started studying cancer in the 1920s. And he's the one who discovered that uh, cancer cells ferment glucose. So they change the... uh, the way that uh, they create energy. So we, we, our normal cells would create energy with uh, nutrients and oxygen aerobically. A cancer cell will ferment the glucose so that they can replicate at a, a very fast pace. Uh, he actually won the, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for this discovery in 1931. And so once I started reading this science and realized that Cancer cells, they need to ferment glucose. That is the only way they survive. They are not metabolically flexible. Our cells, our normal cells, if we stop eating carbohydrates, we stop eating because all carbohydrates convert to glucose. Sure. And again, not to get too much into the weeds here, because when, when you're, and as Fred mentioned, your husband started a uh, aggressive uh, rounds of chemotherapy. At the same time, you've discovered this. So while he was doing chemotherapy, what were you giving him that helped this outcome? And, and then also, as I'm looking at the story here, describe some of the, if you can, and again, I don't want to rush you through it because at the, what I want to get to eventually is what people listening can take away for everyday health. That's where we're going to go. But I, I don't want to skip over this part where he's going through chemo and, 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 they're, and I'm sure the doctors are like, well, this is late stage. We'll do the best we can. And, the, and then there's some like remarkable hallmark moments. Right. Yes. And uh, so the first thing that we did was take all the carbohydrates out. And at that point, I hadn't done all of the research, but I think I would still do it in the same way. I was nervous about going into ketosis and causing uh, him to be nauseous because you're already going to be nauseous from your treatments. Uh, so we kind of uh, took him into ketosis very gradually by reducing all grains, all sugars, um, all fruit and and I left in some higher carbohydrate vegetables like uh, winter squash and uh, beets and that kind of thing and then gradually took that away and uh, monitored his protein so I said you don't want to overdo protein it converts to glucose so we'd measure the protein that he wasn't 
overdoing that. And then there's a lot of foods that actually there's 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 10 hallmarks of cancer, 10 that, that it, uh, the way a cancer cell would behave. And this is agreed upon in conventional medicine and alternative medicine. So there's a lot of foods that actually help to deal with that, the, the spread of cancer or um, apoptosis. A cell should commit suicide when it, there's genetic damage to a cell. And a cancer cell doesn't do that. So it, it just doesn't behave properly in so many ways. And there's a lot of food you can add into your diet, like mushroom teas, chamomile teas, green tea, um, is like the, uh, the highest anti-cancer beverage known to man. And there's scientific studies done on all of these foods that you add in. So you're taking away the carbohydrates. Uh, you are monitoring the protein and adding in healthy fats and uh, because your calories have to come from the fat. So that's where you, you know, you've got to, you have to add in the fat. So we use MCT oils and coconut oil natural fats in meats and uh, grass-fed butter. So just give us a tip. And, and before you get to how successful this was, what would a typical meal be for your husband during this time? Okay. A uh, typical meal. And I can give you kind of a, a breakdown of a typical day. To, no, a just to, people, Janet, we're, again, I'm, I don't mean to, to be, to hurry you along, but we, there's, there's only a, uh, so much time we want to get to. Sure. So just give me a, sure. one meal and then, then go right to what the doctor started seeing. Okay. Uh, one, a very simple meal would be uh, just uh, chicken thighs, maybe five ounces of chicken thighs can be skin on or skin off and a salad that would have a lot of greens in it, have some spinach in it, some arugula, cruciferous vegetables, uh, broccoli, broccoli sprouts, um, dressing with lots of olive oil, avocado, lots of avocado. Anything that you can think of that you would throw in a salad mm-hmm. that is a high fiber, low carbohydrate vegetable. And that would be that's an easy, typical meal. That's so simple. You know, often you hear um, these stories, uh, people look for alternative treatments and they reject, you know, the chemotherapy and the medical, so to speak, um, cancer treatments you didn't do that that's sort of key here because i i almost expected that it's like no we're not doing that chemo thing we're doing this yeah. i think that's an important message here these can work hand in hand or did they or in retrospect do you think the chemo was needed absolutely they do work hand in hand and uh when the ketogenic diet actually the ketones protect your healthy cells whereas a lot of people have heard the saying that if the cancer doesn't kill you the chemotherapy will right right because the chemotherapy is killing the cancer cells but it's also killing your healthy cells yes and the ketogenic diet the ketones actually protect your healthy cells but another thing a cancer cell does is become resistant to chemotherapy and we've all heard of that too that you're getting the chemo and then all of a sudden the tumor is growing despite the chemo Right, right. Uh, and the ketogenic diet actually makes the cell very vulnerable and more receptive to the chemotherapy. So they do work hand in hand. That's what I loved about it. You didn't have to make a choice between one or the other. Well, the proof right. is in the success. You know, I'm just going to read it here from your no. You said mm-hmm. you were supposed to do six rounds. You did six rounds of dose adjusted treatments one week on, two weeks off. And you were warned of the extreme side effects. As you just said, there's everyone talks about the cancer treatment is actually worse than the cancer in a lot of and but by the third round, you were doing this uh, ketogenic uh, protocol, and by the third round, your husband was looking great. You were he was active, um, and then and then the doctor did the doctor notice? Like I think it's funny. A lot of traditional medicines they 
you know, we put a lot of faith in doctors, but it's not it's not like they know everything. And that's why you're so interesting to me. And I think a lot of people listening is there's other things to be learned. And and a physician, even a specialist, he doesn't know everything. So was he intrigued at least by Greg's uh, progress? He was extremely intrigued by it, although not really interested in how we got there. We did tell him, it, you know, early on that we were doing the ketogenic diet. And you should always tell your team what you're right. doing. If you're doing okay. any diet, any supplements, you, you let them know. They may or may not agree with you. Uh, and at the time, he he said, um, yeah, it's good to cut out sugar, but some carbs are good. So that was it. That was the end of that conversation. And, uh, yeah, by the third round, he was, he, you know, when Greg walked in, he said, wow, like you are my number one patient for the least side effects to chemotherapy. And especially to that one that mm-hmm. like, as we said, mm-hmm. was so aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they did a CAT scan at that point too, because it was kind of the halfway mark. They wanted to see where they were at. And, and he, he actually, he phoned us ahead of it being read by a radiologist. He went and saw it. And he was just so excited. He said, that, you know, what he's seeing is that these tumors are 85% gone. And he said, there's a good chance that it's all gone because there's always going to be some scar tissue left because these tumors were quite large, some of them. Hmm. And uh, yeah. So what was, was just, that, what was that moment like? It was exciting. Like all the way along, it was just exciting for us. And like, what was that time frame? Uh, that was, so it was three treatments in. So it was about two months in. That's all? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then go on, because I love the, the, the end of this. By round six, yes. uh, a pharmacist came up to meet Greg and explain why. Yeah. So when you're uh, when you're getting the chemo, you it's dispensed because it's very expensive, we know. And uh, so the pharmacist, once you are in the chair in the hospital, they will dispense it. So the pharmacist dispenses it every time. And when he was in there getting his sixth round, the pharmacist came up and to him and said, I just wanted to meet the person that was getting this because we have never dispensed it at this hospital. And tell us and, why. And this was, pardon me? Well, because there's an important reason. You, you put it here in brackets, but tell us why the, the pharmacist was so impressed by the fact that he was there for, well, for dose six. Exactly. Nobody had made it that far. No one mm-hmm. had been able mm-hmm. to withstand the, the, the treatment. And part of, uh, of, uh, you know, going into remission with cancer is getting through your treatments. That's a big part of it. And this can help you to get through all of your treatments. But we have a neighbor who worked for, she just retired from Princess Margaret. We were at Southlake. She had just retired from as a chemotherapy nurse at Princess Margaret. And we told her that story. And she said, you know, come to think of it, we never dispensed it at Princess Margaret either. In wow. all the years she worked there. So, yeah. So, so- we were, uh, the story ends with this, um, that a few weeks ago, was this just a few weeks ago, you were told that after the results of Greg's last CAT scan, that the lymphoma was gone and his chart read late stage aggressive lymphoma in remission. Exactly. Which yes. has got to blow your friggin' mind. It does. Yes. And this was a PET scan, not, not a CAT scan, which is even more conclusive. During... Um, the diet portion of the treatment, I, I have to imagine you don't have much of an appetite. Is that a bit of a challenge too? Or are you of the mindset I've got to eat this because it's going to help me get to where I got to go? Uh, you were right that you, you will uh, in this first chemotherapy. And let me just say that um, again, backpedaling, 
that I have a, I have a friend who's a chemotherapy nurse as well. And when he was diagnosed the second time, she said, this is quite likely caused from the chemotherapy and radiation of the first cancer. And that's quite mm. common. That's oh, quite common to get another cancer five to 10 years later from the treatment. And, and, and because your cells are, have been so disrupted. Yikes. Yes, well, it's a carcinogen. It, yes, uh, of course. Radiation and chemotherapy are carcinogenic, so they know the they know they cause cancer, and all of the CAT scans and PET scans also will will cause another cancer, which you're having a lot of imaging during that time. So this is a a tool that you have in your toolbox then. Post cancer, if we had known this the first time, we might not have gone through it again. So it's something to so general. Uh, Appetite wise, yes, uh, yeah. Greg did, had a little bit of nausea, but very little. Again, it just reduced the side effects. And uh, there are things you can do, like the chamomile tea or ginger tea, uh, bone broth. All these things that are really also contribute to ketosis and to uh, address all these hallmarks of cancer. Also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reduce that side effect of nausea. So he was able to eat wow. because also cachexia, which we know is wasting, like muscle wasting, organ wasting, weight loss, is you will have to halt your treatment when somebody, you know, is not failing to thrive when they're losing weight. So he did lose yeah. weight, but not pathologically. So Janet Osborne has uh, since taken three ketogenic certificate <clears throat> certification, certification, sorry, I can read this word. Um, yeah. And uh, is starting a certified oncology nutritionist course in January. You know, and and what you pointed out there about yes, the key. You know, you know, and what Fred said about um, a lot of times. You know, we've interviewed people. It's like, oh no, the medical community doesn't know what they're doing, and you should only have wheatgrass. So I, it, it's not like you're. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's not like you don't think that you need chemotherapy if you have cancer. What you what you've done and and are continuing to study is the idea that there are ways to make the outcomes better. There's ways to sort of make it so that the side effects are lessened, the chances of it coming back are given a better chance. So what? What where are we talking about timeline now? How long ago was the uh, last checkup and? Uh, so it's all happened in the last, you know, two, three years or two years. Two years. Yeah, it was April 2021. So this April would be two years. Wow. Uh, the last PET scan was in November. And that is the last one. The doctor said, you know, there no more CAT scans, no more PET scans. They'll mm. see him every six months just for blood work. Oh, that was the other thing that they always do blood work before moving on to your next chemotherapy yes. treatment. His was perfect every time. Every time blood is perfect from the diet. And that's important that you, you know, that you stay strong. So that's all they'll do now is blood work and go by how he feels. And uh, how does he feel? I mean, and and two questions quickly. How does he feel? And and what was sort of the last visit with the doctor like? I mean, because I'm imagining the doctor didn't give him the best chance of survival when he gave him the initial diagnosis. Right. And they did have, I'm, I'm going to say like in, the, in their, his defense, the doctors actually, they can, he's, Greg is 61 and uh, they did consider him young. So I was happy about that. They might say over, you know, when you're 60, well, you know, you're, you're old, you're going to die eventually. Mm. But he said, you're young. And I love that he said, you're young and we are going to do everything we can uh, to, you know, to stop this, to get to, to save you. And so that would mean, you know, if the chemo didn't work, if radiation didn't work, um, they would still, there was stem transplant. There was other areas to Mm -hmm. go. And they did say they would do everything they could. Um, So how does Greg feel though? 
How's Greg feel? He feels amazing. He's like, he's, and this is the clients I'm already dealing with now that have cancer say the same thing. And, and Greg, just like a month in, he felt better than he ever felt in his life. And I have clients that are going through chemo and radiation. And they're telling me on this diet, they feel better than they've ever felt in their life. And as we said, he, you know, he was, we were paddleboarding, we mm. golfing. He wasn't supposed to golf because he had a pick line in, but you know, he said to the doc, asked the doctor for permission. He said, I'm not going to tell you not to golf. I'm not sure what a pick line is. Um, oh, he was the um, chemotherapy was going in intravenously. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a line that went from his arm right actually to his heart. And he would wear a bag of chemotherapy. So he, did, he didn't have to stay in the hospital for the whole week. Oh, he so you would have it. Sense. He would have it for a week at a time. Mm. Yes. Yes. God damn it. Um, I think there's a lot to learn from. I mean, Freddie and I have been having conversations with different you know, people in the nutrition world and the fitness world for a long time. And when Fraser uh, told me about your story and then you sent me this, I mean, it is fascinating. People listening, it's January. They're looking to make, you know, lifestyle changes. Uh, the ketogenic diet is not new, but the idea of using it to help survive something like this aggressive cancer is pretty new. It's pretty cutting edge. It is. It is. And it is amazing for preventing cancer as well. Do you know one in two men will develop cancer in their lifetime and one in three women? So, you know, sad to say, but the two of you sitting there, that means one of you. Oh, yeah. Well, I've already got it. I've already already got something. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a lot. So you're either, you know, (laughs) you take that back, Fred Patterson. No, you're right. We're all going to get cancer. Yeah. You know, I don't have cancer cells. Only one in a thousand people don't have cancer cells in their body. The um, uh, through this too, a good buddy of ours a few years ago, get into nutrition, lost a lot of weight. I'm I'm talking about Darren Mm -hmm. and you know, the, the poison that sugar is. Yeah. And when you, again, when you see people drinking regular pop or pouring two, teaspoons of sugar into their coffee and everything and it's i mean really that is step one to a healthy existence isn't it getting rid of sugar yeah absolutely for everybody (laughs) yeah well everybody you know it's funny not funny it's interesting um you don't know this about me but uh seven years and a week ago uh, I stopped drinking and I weighed mm-hmm. 30 pounds more than I weigh now. And I, people ask me, well, how did you lose weight? And I said, well, I was drinking a couple bottles of wine every day. Just take that out of your diet. And the, yeah. and the weight just melted off me. Like it's, yes. it's crazy how much sugar, hidden sugar there is in alcohol, in the food we eat. And, uh, That's right. yeah, you know, two, two slices of whole wheat bread is equivalent to two tablespoons of sugar. Yeah. And yet so often in, you know, Canada Food Guide and everything, they recommend it. They do. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, they've changed their guidelines a little bit, but they were recommending okay. 6 to 12 servings of grains a day. Can you imagine? 6 to 12 servings No, I know. Yeah. Well, listen, man, you've been so kind with your time. And uh, I do actually have some questions. I've been having some ongoing issues that I think are diet related. Some of them are. And... Uh, I'm just going to send you a note. You let me know if you've got 10 minutes because i got a couple of questions that, that are specific because I've taken everything out of my diet, pretty much. You know, I, did, I, eat, I eat pretty cleanly. I, I, I almost never eat. I've never been big on bread. I've taken bread out years ago. <laughs> my buddy, one of my best friends is staying with me this winter. He's like, you don't have a toaster. I go, because I don't eat bread. I don't eat toast. But uh, 
I'm just going to send you a note. You let me know uh, if you have 10 minutes today. That would be great. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Janet, thank you so much. If people want to find out more about what you're up to, do you have a site? Do you have a, is there some place people can uh, go? I do. Uh, it's ketofitjanet.com. Ketofitjanet. Let me write that down. Dot com. Okay. So that is my website, ketofitjanet on Instagram. Uh, and um, yeah. Listen, great talking to you. Thank you. It was fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank I you, hope Janet. So. I hope, I hope so, Janet. Mm-hmm. You take care. I'll, I'll hopefully speak to you today. Okay, thank you. All right, man. There's Janet Osborne. You ever heard this song? Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson, I know. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a song in everything, even in cancer. Mm -hmm. This is a great album, by the way. If you don't know who uh, Joe Jackson is, it's called Night and Day. Just one of the, uh, just one of those guys from the uh, '80s and '90s. Mm -hmm. You don't hear much anymore. It's interesting. Again, you you absorb all this information. Like, just when she she said two slices of whole wheat bread is like two tablespoons of sugar, or teaspoons of sugar, whatever it was. And then you look at noon. Dempster's 100% whole wheat bread is a green. So you look at that thinking, hey, well, this is great. This is great for me. Like, you know, it's in the green category. Mm-hmm. But there's always... <laughs> There's always something. Well, well you're right. As uh, again, you're more of the uh, Noom color guide guy than I am. But really, mm-hmm. what they're saying is, you can have that. It's better for you than a bunch of red. But Noom is great because they're looking for this. They're looking at it from mm-hmm. a caloric intake basis. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at it from an energy exchange. You know, it's right. like you know. I guess it's all what you grew up with. You know, I don't really remember. I know mom and dad. My mom and dad had bread for sure and i know some families mm-hmm. have bread for every meal mm-hmm. but i just got out of the habit years ago because of ex-wife randy who was an mm-hmm. early adopter of this stuff you know really was really big not big on a lot of complex carbohydrates we didn't have a lot of rice uh, but i'm convinced that some of the stuff that i'm going through with my stomach is it was caused a little bit by something that I had this gastro uh, erosion, but it's exact. It's 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 made worse by food. Some food I'm eating is making it worse. When you cut out bread and I cut back, although I go in ebbs and flows with sure. it, depending on how much weight I want to lose. Did we not? Was it wasn't it the book Wheat Belly mm. that first got everybody's attention? Yes. On? On bread, and then Bill Maher to hear him talk about bread, <laughs> like to him that's like again you want to talk about poison. He just does absolutely does not go near bread any time, any level, any type. And there's a lot of people think that way. And again, that's just one thing. There's lots of things that you have to watch, but it's interesting how often it comes back to bread. You know, in the in the course of our radio history together you know we've been lucky enough to interview people like janet years ago fred and i had this couple on the show who had written a book uh their whole thing was called protein power it was early it was before it was called ketogenics or the keto diet there was a whole thing in the 90s about cutting out the carbohydrates high protein low carb diets etc you know we've we've been given all the information the two guys could have and yet there are times, you know, when 
you know, you sort of go off it. Like, I really don't have sandwiches very much, but in the summertime I do, and the golf course is just an easy thing to grab. You know? Yeah, and again, they, 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 every, as they say, everything in moderation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it becomes a, like a mindset because when I see somebody, you make them a cup of coffee here and then they want the sugar and then a couple of teaspoons go in and you think, number one, I think that tastes like shit now because I haven't done it in years and years and years and years. But immediately what goes through my mind is that <laughs> – Boy, that's not good for you. Mm -hmm. Or we had some people over a couple of weeks ago, and the woman drank pop, regular pop. And it's like, wow. I look at a bottle of pop that's not diet. Like, I don't even drink diet pop now, but regular pop, I think, my goodness. A lot of people with weight problems, you can trace it back to Oh, absolutely. A a lot of soft drinks, right? Just loaded with sugar. No, it's 100% true. Dan Duran's news is coming up here in a second. But first, let me uh, intervene. If I might, and tell you about these fine folks. Of course, I'm talking about GoDaddy. What do you want to do? GoDaddy. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your small business. GoDaddy.ca is where you learn more. There's no better time than now. Right this second. With GoDaddy, you can get your domain up and running, create your website. Here's the cool thing about this, is that they've got free and friendly Some people just have free. Some people just have friendly. They have both. Free and friendly 24-7 phone support. Also here to help you every step of the way. You can start your website for free with GoDaddy. No credit cards even required. Just get her done. Get her done. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Yeah, the retirement Sherpa, that's Tim Niblett. He's a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, have you heard? Will he be by tomorrow, Howard? I uh, think he's still on a boat somewhere. Well, isn't that wonderful for the Sherpa? He deserves it, you know? That man works so hard on both sides of the border. Oh, yeah, when he's south of the border, it's not like he's not doing nothing, okay? Oh, no. No, he's all over. Busy. He's all over it. Uh, if you have a portfolio, you want somebody to have a second look at it. Tim's your guy. No uh, strings attached. No obligation. He'll give you the straight goods because he's a sweet and he's an honest man. He's the retirement Sherpa. Retirement Sherpa. Ca. Before uh, I don't know if Dan remembers. I don't even what year it would have been. Somewhere in the uh, mid eighties. Uh, well, I was still living in Los Angeles. Dan was in San Francisco, and along with one of our buddies, who we both met in Moose Jaw, of all places, we went to the, uh, in, um, what's that place across the bay? Berkeley. Sausalito? No, no, Berkeley. So Berkeley, California, famous, you know, where the university is, and then Berkeley's like a little town, university town, very pretty. They have a, a theater there, an outdoor amphitheater. Do you remember this story? Dan and I and our buddy Sam went to see Joe Jackson in concert. Seats about 6,000 people. It's just a beautiful place. Can you imagine, you know, summertime or sunny in the evening, Joe Jackson playing outdoors. (laughs) And uh, we did did a bunch of mushrooms. And uh, nobody could remember where the car was (laughs) for a really long time. Do you not remember that, that you and I and Sam, after the first one, we had a great time at the show. Or do you not want to talk about this because you no, feel no, it I, will I don't remember. The, I don't remember the show so much, but I remember. I remember uh, laughing. Uh, oh yeah, we laughed for a long time, and the car <laughs> thing comes to mind. Yeah. Well, 
That was the thing is, uh, this was before cell phones and whatever, and you couldn't take a picture of where you parked. And uh, we did the mushrooms before we went to the concert. And then I just remember us wandering around for a really long time trying to find where we parked. It's like a... Like an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> it was. Kinda, it was like yeah. outdoor Seinfeld. <laughs> Why? Because I'm Jewish? You anti-Semite. Um, anyway, so you don't remember, You do you remember any of what I just said? Or do you worry about your, your reputation as a newsman that will be... Tarnished by, tarnished my, uh, by the... my early days in uh, yeah, hanging out with you guys. Yeah. No, I... You know, I, I I remember a lot of that, but I don't remember all of it. That's for sure. See, Dan said he remembered the laughing, and he remembers the laughing because he does it so very, very infrequently. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Dan's got a great laugh when he lets his German spirit fly. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran. I love a guy with a hella big wine. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, Dan Duran the anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, my voice is nice and low. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Live from the kitchen with cupboards askew. <laughs> Here with news and views is Dan Daru. Well, here's what we got brewing up today. King Charles really likes his teddy bear. Now, I don't really care about the whole uh, book that uh, Prince Harry has come out. I don't care about any of the... the, But, you know, it's in the news. And so the whole teddy bear thing apparently was revealed a little bit earlier in November, somewhere around there. There was another author that came out with a book that did indicate that Charles had a a teddy bear that he carried everywhere. And in in, uh, Harry's book, he carried a pitiful teddy bear everywhere he went. I think well into his 40s. The bear has uh, to be understood uh, to be a relic from his traumatic boarding school days Hmm. where he was King Charles was bullied relentlessly. Somehow. Can you see that? I wonder why (laughs) (laughs) that Teddy went everywhere with Pa. It was a pitiful object with broken arms and dangly threads, holes patched up here and there. It looked, I imagine, like Paul might have after the bullies had finished with him. Mm. Is what Harry wrote in the book. Yeah, this book's getting a lot. This book's getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention. The Harry Spare thing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Spare. Um, Harry Spare. Again, I I love it. I'm eating it up. I watched uh, the Anderson Cooper interview last night. Very very interesting. Yeah, in sixty minutes. And some um, some of the analysis is great too because you know he. He's going a long way to putting an end to some of this nonsense by exposing it. And again, there's two sides to every story. But it was interesting, too, last night. You know, his flags are up on how his mom died. You know, he got drivers to take him and go up and down that to see if is it possible what happened and why it happened. And there's part of him and, you know, feels the same way that we do or I do in particular. I don't want to speak for you fellas that there's something fishy going on there. Mm-hmm. And he admits it because, you know, he, uh, you know, he, the older God, the more he questioned it. Well, yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, reading about having to be, you know, f- 
shaking people's hands. You've seen those, those video of him as a 12-year-old shaking these people's hands and his, like all these people that were, they were crying, but they, the kids, the, the people were crying, I should say. But mm-hmm. the kids were sort of, you know, supposed to be stoic and they were like this royal family. And he, this, this interesting memory he has of, of people's wet hands. And the reason their hands were wet is they were wiping their own mm-hmm. tears from their eyes, Dan. You emotionalist robot. <laughs> and he said, you know, he was, ta- <laughs> he was taking flowers from people and then right. taking them, putting them over on the pile. And he said he just sort of like felt the middle, like the middleman there. And, the middleman of their emotions is how he put and, it. Yeah. And, yeah. And to put a 12 year old in that position. I, I will. I still I will say this thing. Howard, you're a father. Dan, you're a father. I'm a father. You're a father. This Prince Charles twit. And I love King. King, King now. Well, whatever he is. If I was in that situation with my son, and here's a son, like, reaching out and saying these things, and you wonder why. I wouldn't give a shit if I was the king. I wouldn't give a shit if I, who mm-hmm. I was. I'd be in California right now sitting with my son talking. You know, and his old man has ignored him for the past few months now. Pissed off because he's tarnishing. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, what do they call it? The institution or whatever. That would be my first priority. I'd be with that kid, and I'd be talking, and I'd be working it out, and I'd be trying to get to the bottom of it. And that's part of this whole problem. All these assholes put that whatever it is ahead of everything else, and that's why I hate it, and that's why I back Harry through this. You're you're on Team Harry, are you? (laughs) Fucking A, A, Howie, fucking A. You could be critical of Harry a little bit by, you know, him exposing all this is maybe a little bit self-serving on his half, on his part. But maybe. But on the other hand, Mm -hmm. the whole thing, it's just dumb to begin with. But like, think about it. Like if if uh, if King Charles was raised in a boarding school and was bullied relentlessly and 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 wasn't, you know, had the normal parental upbringing. And there's the the whole palace, or what do they call it? The firm? Is that what the yeah the, the firm? Is? Keep going. There's firm. They, keep going. They keep all these people. It's a bureaucracy. It has yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there it's a bureaucracy of, of living. So you're growing up around all this, these people with all their backroom political fighting going on. It, it's not a very warm and uh, great place to. Uh, Dan, I would like to be on. I'd like this to go on the permanent record that I agree wholeheartedly with you, because mm-hmm. what Fred said is true. And I understand from that standpoint as a parent, but we can't understand. And it's not an excuse, but it is an explanation for what that kid who was Charles went through, as they all did. It's a world that we couldn't relate to because as parents in the way we were brought up, certainly the way we have been with our children, it would be unimaginable to be to not think of the children first. But that scene I described at the funeral, that was just part of this firm's protocol. It doesn't excuse it, but it's an exploration. I I don't know if you do. Um, (laughs) I don't know. One thing I I would say to that, when people say, oh, the hairy stuff is self-serving, that's the easy way out. I I counter that with, listen to what he is saying. And all the things that he went through because of Prince Charles and maybe the way he was brought up, that doesn't mean it can't be fixed. No, it's that true. It doesn't mean it can't change. But it doesn't mean and, it's not that, self-serving. No, I, I get it. But this is all about change 
to me. And again, listen, I'm the first guy to sit here and say I'm terribly biased here. I, I really am. And, and I'll give you that. I'll tell you what. I'm on Team Megan. Have always been, always will. Uh, Dan Duran, do you have uh, any more news for the people? Because uh, in a few minutes from now, our buddy Tim Daniels is going to pop in from Florence to talk about the world of oh. boron mining. Mining. So why don't you, uh, you know, do something? <laughs> Yes, why here's the next stop, story. Why don't you stop boroning us with... <laughs> here, here we've been brewing up in the uh, yes. the news kitchen. Yes. Canada that's is finally getting... Cover, that's why all the cupboards are open. Yeah. Canada is finally getting shiny new fighter jets. Yes. Yes. We pulled up to the fighter jet drive through and said, yeah, can we have uh, 88 jets and will 19 billion uh, be enough? And can we have cup holders with that? <laughs> no. First of all, it's 35 jets. I thought no, it's it's eighty eight jets. Is it eighty eight? Oh, they're no, you're over okay. time. Yeah, is it eighty eight? It's exciting. Yeah, we currently have I don't know seventy five to eighty eight. Cool ninety ninety of the old old. You know, they were first. Uh, I think in nineteen eighty okay. or so eighty two. I think is when we first put the CF eighteens into commission. Um, hang on a second here, Dan. We, I apologize. We got a, a we have been double booked here. Oh, we have. Okay, all right. Well, um, let's uh, let's pick this up later then. Okay, because I got uh, Daryl Croft is uh, popping in now, but Tim Daniels, hold on a second, just keep going. <laughs> so, okay, Jet Talk, yeah. that's pretty, I mean, the, the criticism was, uh, is now, actually, the Trudeau government canceled the contract that the Harper government put through of the same exact jet. <laughs> And now we're doing it, and the uh, delivery times will be like somewhere uh, in 2029 is when the delivery time will be for uh, and 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 end operational in 2029, which and we the, would have been far and the pr- before this. And the price is way up, and um, and people might argue, why Canada? You know, we have the United States looking after us. I mean, that's the attitude of some people. What do we need with 88 jets? But you know what? You've got to you've got to do your part. And, the, have, and having a fleet of up to up to date jets, as Mr. Harper said years ago, is sort of an obligation that we have and we should fulfill. And it's taken all these years. Mm-hmm. Right. And with something so large, you can criticize all the governments about it. Like the, mm-hmm. the it was a non non tendered contract that the Harper government put through, which mm-hmm. was a big uh, concern. This this one was that uh, they canceled it and said they were going to get a cheaper jet and use the savings to bolster the Navy, which they did not do. Uh, obviously, because now they're, they, you know, all the infighting or whatever it was, now they're uh, back with the F-35. That's exactly what I want in a battle, a cheaper jet. Yeah, give me the cheap one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just want to make sorry. I'm just, I'm just uh, taking care of some uh, scheduling taking issues. Taking care of business. Right. Mm-hmm. Some right. of that just, money just, is going to uh, uh, update the infrastructure to support those jets. So it, yeah. The, the, yeah. we don't really know how what the per jet cost is somewhere around one to you know a hundred million or so hundred yeah. hundred and fifty. I just want, right? but I did want to say I'm taking care of some business, but just want to be on the record and tell you that jets are cool. Just fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> just let everyone know that I don't care what you think about jets, but they are cool. But it, you know those jets are great. Um, example of how everything can turn political pretty much because again it's an obligation Canada should have a decent fleet to do their part in times of conflict 
yet even that becomes like, you know, a pissing match on, okay, so how are we going to do it? And what are they going to cost? And what about the contracts? And on and on and on. But here we are all these years later with a much bigger bill. Yeah. Yeah. Jets are cool. (laughs) (laughs) Is that it, Dan? That's it. That's uh, my entire news. Uh, by the way, it's, uh, while we're uh, are we are we letting somebody in? Well, the problem is uh, two people were uh, are waiting. Only one of them was scheduled. Oh, and I'm trying now. I'm also yeah. talking to Boone yeah. because there's been a bit of a, a mistake. But hey, we're we're trying to this run a business balance. here. This is a balance. Yeah. Thing. So excuse my. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, Fred. Hey, did you have a teddy bear when you were growing up? Uh, no, I didn't, Dan. I was never a teddy bear guy. I just wasn't. Uh, did did no. you have any kind of thing you hang on, hung on? Uh, no, Dan, I didn't. I honestly, yeah. I just, I had a dog. At seven, I got a dog, and that was my thing. Mm. But uh, no, I did never really had a stuffed toy. That why did you? <laughs> did you have Dan in your German, German home? Did you have a little baby Hitler doll? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I had a, I had a monkey. One of those uh, sock monkeys. Did you call him Hitler? <laughs> oh, a sock monkey? Yeah. A sock? And what did you do with the sock monkey, Dad? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you ever, did you, right. did you abuse sock monkey Hitler? <laughs> Hitler, come here. Let me take you down. All right, I listen. All right, listen. We got to, we got to wrap this uh, hilarity up. Okay. We're going to wrap it up. <laughs> Just okay. gotta wrap it up. Take our monkeys and get out of here. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta talk. Right. Listen, we gotta get, we gotta Thank get. You, Andrew, to, Thank you. Yeah, you begin, are you gonna go or are you gonna send me an extra? What are you gonna do? I'll do one of the two. I'll get something ready here. All right, wrap the show up. Okay. Listen, All I gotta right. talk to Tim Daniels right now. And um, maybe well, there we go. I'm there we go. Just well, I don't know. Uh, he's He's a captain of industry, but he, he can't get his. There he is. Look at you. Um, <laughs> my cats. In, Itali- my cats. in Italian, what do you say? Buena novella? No, what is New Year? Buen anno? Uh, bu- buon anno? Buon anno. Buon anno. Buon anno. Buon anno. Buon anno. Banana. Tim you Daniels. Know, for several years, around this time of year, I wondered why everybody was walking up up and down the streets yelling out, banana, banana, banana. Yes, uh, exactly. It finally sunk in. Hey, Fred, how are you? Good to see you, buddy. It's been a while. Yes, Tim, good to see you as well. Um, You know, fellas, um, speaking of Italians, um, Don Alfonso 1890 is a Italian restaurant at One Harbor Square here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. It's just been named the second best Italian restaurant in the world outside of Italy, of course. No, uh-huh. I saw that article. I don't think that I, the, the article doesn't what? say outside of Italy. It says in the world. No, it's out, they're outside of Italy. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And the number one one, uh, the number, a couple of articles I read, Howard, they said yes, out, because... It's the that's the whole thing outside okay. of Italy. What anyway? And the top one is in Shanghai of all places. But okay. Yeah, it's one thing I avoid like the plague is Italian restaurants outside of Italy. <laughs> and oh, people really? Are always trying to impress <laughs> me. They say, "Hey, let me take you to this great Italian restaurant." I say, "Yeah, no, thank you." Uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the, it's not the same. Well, the yeah, restaurant that you the restaurant you took me to. 
is the is the perfect I thought was the perfect representation of an Italian restaurant where it was small. The owner was hanging out with us. It was very simple. You know, it wasn't super fancy. Lots of buzz in there, and some of the best food I've ever eaten, Italian or otherwise. It was just amazing. and it's not on, you know, the 45th floor of some glass tower. Exactly. Yes. No, that's true. Chromey look. It's, you know, it's down in a cellar yes. uh, in a building that was built, you know, 500 years ago. And, and you smell it. You know, you got mm-hmm. that, that. That that taste uh, of the the, the history, and, and it's funny so thing it's, about Italian food. Mm. The best I ha- the best Italian food is simply is le- less ingredients. You know, I, I don't know what we all grew up with was the, the idea of Italian food it has so much stuff on it and meatballs and cheese. But like I I can't remember what I ate. I just remember it being a very simple dish. Yeah. And uh, while I was in Italy, those were the best. And, and Fred, you're right; those are the Don Alfonso, the best outside of Italy. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the best pork chop I ever had was in an uh, Italian restaurant. You know, thick with just a nice sauce on it, uh-huh. and not not necessarily a red sauce either. Just garlic yeah. and oil. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's funny because that place that you, you we went to, Freddie and I've been mm-hmm. to this place in uh, San Miguel, not together, but it's called Berlin. Mm-hmm. Sim- again, small owners hanging mm-hmm. around. Also one of the best pork chops I've ever had. But we're not here to talk food, my my paisan. Uh, great seeing you. We, oh, Timmy and I, have, we've been uh, hanging out a little bit the last uh, few weeks, so I've seen him. He looks great. Family's good. We're good. You're good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about mining. And uh, I don't know that I knew this when we first started talking about Aaron Ventures and the idea that, that Boron is integral to so many things, but... The thing that's most integral, apparently, is in the world of electric vehicles. Yeah, sure. Uh, That is one of literally hundreds of uses. So I I like to start off by saying boron is not boring. Um, Mm -hmm. I've practiced that. That's very good. Very good. (laughs) it's, it's, It's absolutely bizarre because boron is used by every one of us in modern society every day and it's all around us in the stuff we can't live without and yet how many people out there raise your hands have ever heard of boron knows mm-hmm. where it comes from knows what it's uh, what what it costs or who the big producers are it, you know so on 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 one side it's 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 so integral to modern life and on the other side everybody's oblivious to mm-hmm. it but there's reasons why that's the case, and we'll talk about those uh, in, in in other shows. But I, uh, let me just tell you quickly why it's so important. You know, for example, you know, start with one of these. Okay, the uh, the screens on smartphones, on computer screens, televisions, on uh, architectural glass outside the high rise buildings, and so on. All that glass needs to be really strong, really heat resistant, and so on. And what gives it the, the strength? The reason why your your phone doesn't shatter into a thousand pieces every single time you drop it is because of the boron in it. There's about 15% boron in that glass, and that is absolutely critical to give that that glass the strength. Um, but it's all around us, you know. For example from the boring stuff like the ceramic tiles under your feet again the boron in the glaze gives it the strength 
to the fiberglass insulation in your walls, to the solar panels on your roof, uh, to the, the fiber optic cable that's, you know, running your shore today. Mm-hmm wouldn't exist without boron. It's in the food you eat. It's in the uh, uh, the car you drive. Really, really important. Howard just talked about this a second ago. Um, everybody knows about lithium and the role it plays in you know electric vehicles. There's more boron in a Tesla than lithium in a Tesla. Um, and and it's it, it's it's really integral. It's in the rechargeable batteries. It's in the steel roll cage uh modern cars the reason why the steel the 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 cars are much safer than they used to be is because of the steel and so it's a boron carbide steel that's now used and when that first came out about 10 years back um the emergency services you know the, the the fire trucks the ambulances um, they had their standard tools you know the jaws of life and their cutting torches and so on and in the modern cars, they couldn't get into them. They couldn't cut into them because the, this boron carbide roll cage was so damn strong. And so they had to come up with all new tools. So, you know, so boron is just one of these things that is just absolutely essential to how we live our, our life today. Um, and yet, you know, mm-hmm. nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. When I hear these stories, I often think right at the beginning, who was the first guy to say, let's grab some of this boron and put it in here and see how it works? It's it's it's, it's bizarre, amazing. It? it is how things are developed and all the different yeah. ingredients and, you know, yeah. the bigger brains yeah, exactly. than ours that come up with this stuff. But it's boron's only available in certain areas of the world, too. Is this not... Uh, In economic quantities. So boron is found everywhere. If you go outside your door and grab a handful of dirt, there'll be a trace of boron in it. So boron's found everywhere on planet Earth, but it's literally found in this many places around the planet in economic deposits, meaning Mm. in deposits that that can actually be mined out of the ground. So, So it's a real small um, exclusive oligo- oligopoly <clears throat> of companies like ours that have economic deposits of, of boron in the world. So that's uh, on one side, you know, it's a perfect scenario for companies like ours because on one side, demand is broad and deep. It's used in hundreds of products by thousands of companies and millions, not actually billions of consumers all over the world. So the demand is like this. And the supply is like this because there's literally one hand, one on one hand you can count all the producers in the world. And so to answer the question from people wondering, like, okay, you know, we know Tim from the health gauge world, and uh, and all along we've been talking to Tim, you know, away from the show about this opportunity with his company Aaron Ventures. So now to wrap things up, now that we've talked food, Florence. And, and boron, uh, as I've been saying on the show the last couple months, listen, we've got our friend, the retirement Sherpa, lots of people. Uh, you may have an, uh, somebody that you're working with. At, at least have them look at this company, AaronVentures.com, because as Tim said, it's a pretty exclusive group of people that mine this, uh, but it's ubiquitous around the planet in the number of people that need it and use it every day. And again, I don't, you know, what is the disclaimer? You know, we can make no recommendations other than to say, other than to say, check out Aaron ventures.com. Tim's company, 
come to our website, which is AaronVentures.com, and uh, there's you know contact information there. If you want further information, we'll, we'll right. be happy to talk to you one-on-one. Listen, man, it's great catching up with you. You look great. Um, yeah. You're still running. How much do you run every day? Um, about an hour. So. About an hour. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but but I, I, I got like a, a whole turkey here to wear off from, from the holiday season. So so I, I got my work cut out for me. All right, they do the, they, okay, they do the turkey thing in Italy, eh? Do you, no, or? we do the turkey thing. You do the thing. Right. And we, we have about 15 to 20 people that come over cool. uh, each you know Christmas. And we do, you know, the turkey and stuffing and pumpkin pie and, mm, and cranberries, you know, the whole nine yards from the North American perspective. And the Italians are just all giggly over this. They oh, love bet. it. And, oh, right and they never get it. And, and, and so, you know, we have a waiting list uh, for, for people that want to be invited to our next uh, turkey gathering because uh, everybody great. loves it. Well, listen, man. Banana. Thanks, bon- banana. Uh, and all the best in 2023. Thanks for uh, helping me out with our buddy Randy in Edmonton. And uh, you and I will be in touch sooner than later. Okay, kid? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. pal. Always, Thanks, always Jim. Really good catching up with you. Yeah, man. It's right good on, seeing you. AaronVentures.com. Go find out what they're up to because what they're up to is taking boron out of the ground. Uh, and it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good prospect. All the best to you, my friend. There's Tim Daniels. Uh, Dan Durant, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. He hasn't come back. Let me see. All right, I found him. Man, what a morning. What a morning. Um, We did have a double schedule, and I figured it out with Boone finally, the other guy. Uh, is going to join us tomorrow. We're going to talk about the world of uh, electric vehicles with our friend Daryl Croft. And I apologize for that. You know, whenever I hear the Eagles, I, I like it. But, you know, on my playlist, I have no Eagles. It's interesting. They've just never been of that status for me. You know why I'm playing this, though, right? Because uh, he was talking about running an hour a day. Though. Oh, the long road, yes. Yeah, see what I do? I sort of try and tie in. Yes. I try and tie in things on the show, like yes. No, you know. do a great job. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you um, see uh, quickly a music story I just I saw here this morning? Mary McCartney's doing some kind of a documentary on the Beatles or something. Mm. So her dad Paul was in it, and they were out front of the Apple Studios, and you know, you know the iconic. A crosswalk there, right? Mm-hmm. That's near Apple or whatever. He was he was almost hit by a car. <laughs> was he really? <laughs> he was yes. And this is a true story. So yeah, he's he's right in that area, and a car apparently they were doing something, and it just missed him. You imagine? Wouldn't wouldn't that have been a story? Well, I was going to say you're the person that ran over Paul McCartney. Yeah, at that at, on that intersection. intersection. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wouldn't that, hey, Dan, mm-hmm. wouldn't that mm-hmm. be ironic? Hey, Dan? Wouldn't that be ironic? Ironic. I love ironic. Wouldn't you be like to run the irony, Dan? Yes. I was. I was have to think about ironic and uh, coincidence. Mm-hmm. I always have to yeah. purse that out. Is it that is ironic. Coincidental or is that ironic? It's, a, it's amazing to me that you're so handy with a hammer and a yes. nail, and yet you mm-hmm. can't close the cupboard. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was—I keep thinking of the monkey sock. <laughs> Dan is having. Dan, are you having sex with your monkey sock? <laughs> Do 
you know what's up, yeah. boy, Dan? Oh. Dan, I'm now oh. pretending that Dan was raised by the Beatles. This is our son, Dan. <laughs> yeah. He has a monkey sock named Hitler. What's he doing to Hitler now? He's fucking his Hitler sock. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his expression just changed. Oh, Did yeah. you see that? Dan, stop making he love to your monkey sock. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he say monkey sock? <laughs> that's his, that's what uh, that's what Lisa calls his his thing. Dan, is it time for the monkey sock? Lisa's also from Liverpool now. Dan, do you have time for a monkey sock session? Mm. All right, Dan. <coughs> well, you know what? We don't seem mm-hmm. we seem to be having more fun than you, and that's yeah, not no, fair. I, no, that's I'm not fair. Tremendously, that's not fair. <clears throat> Okay, we're listen. just immature fucking idiots. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, All we right. Are. We are. Mm-hmm. We know it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> hey, we got a uh, good little sports uh, sesh tomorrow with uh, Hebsey. Mm-hmm. Hebsey on sports will be our guest tomorrow. We'll talk. Uh, we'll get you ready for the uh, NFL. We'll talk a little bit about. Uh, I don't think I've heard word one about the Raptors team this year. Maybe Ooh, we'll. It's uh, not a good story, Howard. It's not and uh, maybe we'll uh, open up the uh, Maple Leaf file. Do we have a file? Uh, yeah. And we'll By ask, the way, uh, that um, Damar Hamlin. Uh, yes, back in Buffalo. Yeah, left the uh, hospital yesterday, which is something. Wait, mm-hmm. left the hospital in uh, Cincinnati, but I think he went to yeah. a hospital in Buffalo. Did he? Is that where he went? I they think so. Put yeah. him in another hospital. Yes, oh, okay. he's back at home. You know he what, didn't go to friends. If you were if you were following prayers for Demar like I am, <laughs> all right. Yeah, listen, Dan. No more yes. talk mm. about your childhood monkey sock named Hitler. Okay. All right. Enough okay. of that today. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it! How dare you? No. All right. Thanks, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and GoDaddy. You can find your domain, easily create your website, and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your small business. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. We read all our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. We look forward to seeing you. Liking and subscribing and giving us five stars helps keep this show going, so please do it. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, I'm hanging out in a toast-free house, so if you see me, offer me toast. I, I like toast. It's how I enjoy every goddamn day. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone, bottles and cans. Just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?